0: Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I am Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen. So you saw the title of the podcast is Ephesus Backwards. Am I going to play some kind of weird word game or something like that? No, I just couldn't come up with a very great title for this lesson. When this lesson came about, my wife and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the church in Ephesus in particular, what John wrote in Revelation chapter 2, which reads this, verses 1 through 7, unto the angel, or messenger is what that means, of the church of Ephesus, write, "...these things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and thou canst not bear them which are evil, hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars." And hast borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or I will come to thee quickly, and remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitan, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." To him that overcometh will I give the eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Well, what some people do is they take something like this, what's written Ephesus, and they'll say, hey, this is a cautionary tale about a congregation that was too militant, and they were set on doing work and set on defending the truth, but they were lacking in love, and Rather than make sure you're just not lacking in love, what some people do with this is they overcompensate. They don't see that Ephesus was just guilty of being in a loveless marriage with our Lord. They think, nope, they were too focused, hyper-focused on this. No, Ephesus' works were good. The Lord was pleased with their defense of the truth and the works and labor that they had did. The problem was their motivation. You you can't read Revelation two, one through seven and say, oh no, we can't become too militant. We can't forget, we gotta love, 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 and then go to the other extreme where you love, love, love and aren't doing the works or the defense of the gospel that you ought to be doing. So there's a balance here. Obviously, love is part of that balance and we're gonna start with this and work our way through some points from this, F, from this lesson about the church in Ephesus so that we don't become the, the opposite, the contrast, so that we don't walk away from militancy and being busy in the work of the Lord and focus so much on love that we just lose our minds. Well, our Lord does desire us to love Him and our neighbors. In Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34, one of the scribes came, having heard them reason together, perceiving that He had answered them well, asked him, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to them, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any questions. Certainly, love the Lord, love our neighbor. All things are to be done with love. In 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen through 14 the Corinthians were told, Watch ye. Stand fast in the Lord, quit or act ye like men, be strong, let all things be done with charity. Look, they are not two things that are separate and apart from each other. Watching, standing fast, being strong, acting like men is to be done with charity, not in lieu of, but with. Love is the bond of perfectness. In Colossians chapter 3, part of a context talking really about the converted person, uh, beginning in verse 1 following, but we're going to look at Colossians 3, 10 through 14, which states, "...have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all." Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ did, so do you, so do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, of course, that's love, which is the bond of perfectness. It is right to focus on love, but it's not right to focus on love and forgetting everything else. But the emphasis is right. In 1 Peter 4, 8, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitudes of sin. Love our brethren, treat one another the way we ought to be uh, treated. And the thing that was wrong with Ephesus is you can do all the right things, and they were doing that, okay? Their actions were not wrong. But if they're not motivated by love, the actions are in vain. In a context about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, "'Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing.'" And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. If, it's, if the right actions aren't moved by love, then they're useless. You might as well not do them. You know, the person who says, I'm going to help somebody financially, but make sure you give me a receipt so that I can write this off on my taxes, or I'm going to get help somebody and I want everybody to know it so that, you know, hey, look at me. Look at my good works. Some people do that. They do good works, and it's just a show. And Psalm 28.3 says, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. See, there are sometimes people that do things outwardly that don't match up with the inward. That's insincerity, Right? But love is supposed to be sincere, unfeigned. First 1 Peter 1.22, saying you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Unfeigned, meaning you, you love your brethren sincerely. So when you do something, it's sincerely out of love. If I'm going to do good, if I'm going to do a good action, whether it be uh, unto someone outside the body or inside the body you know Galatians 6 10 says we therefore have opportunity let's do good unto all especially those who are the household of faith so whoever it is whatever good deed and and listen we got to always make sure that our good is called good by god not of our own uh de- devise right we, we don't want to come up with our own creation of what we call a good work every good work is is given to us through the Scriptures. We're perfectly equipped, uh, thoroughly equipped unto all good works because of the Scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 16 17. You don't want to go off there and say, hey, this is a good work. Well, well who calls it a good work? How do you know that God is pleased with a good work? It made somebody smile. Oh, my goodness. That makes prostitution a good work. It makes drug selling a good work. Blah, 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 right? No, has to be good as defined by God. But if it's a good work, and if it's pleasing to God, we know that scripturally, we can go and say, see, that God calls us a good work. Good, as long as it's moved by love. Now, Ephesus backwards. I also thought I could just title this, don't be Sardis, which is essentially the backwards of Ephesus. You had people in Sardis that weren't doing anything. In Revelation 3, beginning in verse 1, Under the angel or messenger of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he, the seven seven, seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thou works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt watch, Or shall not watch I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I shall come upon thee now the text goes on to say that there were few in Sardis that had not defiled their name but as a whole there were more than not who were just essentially dead they were the backwards of Ephesus they weren't doing anything so if you were to relate this to a a loveless marriage you'd have a husband who would say you know hey I work because I'm supposed to provide for my family. The Bible tells me to do that, 1 Timothy 5.8. Bible tells me if I won't work, I, I neither should I eat, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. But um, you know what? Um, I know the Bible says I'm to work and I'm supposed to provide for my family, but you know um, the Bible also says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5.25. I think I should stop working so that I could stay at home and love my wife. You know, the Bible says I'm to bring up my children and the nurture and administer of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. So I'm going to stop working so that I can stay home and bring up my children and the nurture and administer of the Lord and love them too. No, you don't go to the Bible and see one instruction and then use that to counter another instruction. If we take what's written to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, 1 through 7, and we flip it on its head, we would become those in Sardis who were either not working at all or the works that they were doing were ready to die and were told to repent. Then we'd be the husband who's taking scriptures that teach you to go out and do, but then find other scriptures that say, well, I'm going to do this too. And instead of do this too, they use those scriptures to eliminate the other instruction. You can't do that, okay? When we look at love... In the, in the scriptures, not the way it is defined in the hearts and minds of ignorant people, love is not inactive. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith, notice, which worketh by love. What, what, what causes faith to produce works? Love. Well, what's faith without works? James 2 14 through 26, dead. You don't have it. It's gone, right? We serve, if you you were to stay in Galatians chapter 5 and go just a little bit down further to Galatians 5, 13 through 14, we serve, meaning Christians serve one another by what? Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, my service to my brothers and sisters in Christ is going to be moved by love. Now here, the church in Ephesus, they were doing these things, but love wasn't the motivator. It was empty. Somebody would say from that, well, but see, their love wasn't visible. No, actions do show love, but it doesn't describe what's in the heart. So we're not talking about just putting forth outward actions. I mean, you could do the same things and not be moved by love, but love is visible through actions. Think about this. In 2 Corinthians 8, 24, so so just to draw your your mind a little bit, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, the first letter to, to, to the saints in Corinth, they were told to take up a collection upon the first day of the week for the poor saints in Jerusalem, they were going to send letters to whom they should help. Second Corinthians chapters 8 and verse 1 through 9:13, is Paul sending Titus and other messengers from other congregations to get those funds and take them to the saints in Jerusalem. So in Second Corinthians 8:24, in that context, it says, "Wherefore show you to them, which is the messengers that were coming with Titus? And before the churches, because if they were going to give as they have been told, those churches were going to see this. Notice, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So, hey, Corinth, that collection you were told to take up, have those funds ready so that when these brethren come, they may see and the churches that have sent them might see the proof of your love. Visible. Now, is it possible that the church in Corinth did that just because they were commanded to do so and not out of love? Yeah, it's possible. What would that make them? That would make them Ephesus. That would be the point of Revelation 2, 1 through 7. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, talking about unity contextually, I therefore, Paul writing, the prisoner of the Lord, because he was in prison at the time of writing this, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, of the bond, of peace. Love is visible by helping your brethren physically. Here in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it's visible through forbearance. I'm going to bear with, or in other words, put up with my brethren. Might Christians do things at times that annoy one another? Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Not sinful things, but just annoying things. We all have probably have traits that will annoy people, that maybe have different uh, characteristics and their behavior as uh, others. Well, one of the ways that unity is arrived at is when my brethren do something that is not sinful, that may annoy me. I'm going to forbear. I'm going to put up with it. Well, that's an act of love. Now, wait. On the flip side, if somebody was going to err like the Ephesians did, maybe they put up with something but not out of love. What makes it the right action isn't just doing it, but that it's moved by love. In Colossians 3:19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Okay? I'm not going to be bitter against my wife. What is that? That's a sign of love. Okay? I could do that because I love her, or I could do that just because God says so. What's your motivator? What's your motivator? And Hebrews 12 and verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Correction can be done out of love or out of necessity. We're going to talk about here in a few moments how congregations have to practice discipline. Are you doing that because you love your brethren? You hope that they'll change? You love your brethren? You're hoping to protect them? Or are you doing it just because the Bible does so? Is it a loveless act? Ephesus did these things, but they were loveless acts. 1 John 3, 16 through 18, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion on him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is an action here, helping a brother in need that you see the need But there are people that can help a brother and not do it out of love. What would that make them? Ephesus, right? Well, we want to do it in love. We we, we don't want to walk away from the actions, and you don't want to be Ephesus backwards. You don't want to say, no, I'm not going to help my brethren. I'm going to focus on loving them. Then you're not loving them, right? 2 John 6, this is love. That we walked after his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in his, what is love? Obedience. But do you know that there are some people that obey God just out of fear? Not that fear can't be a part of it. Philippians 2.12 says uh, that it can be. Paul was talking about in his absence, the saints in Philippi would work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, that might be part of it, but what about love? Do I obey God because I love him? Do I serve and obey my Lord Jesus Christ because I love him? Well, there is the question. Your Ephesus, if you don't. Your Ephesus backwards, if you don't obey him. Don't want to be that. Don't want to run to another extreme. You see the point? What's the motivator? You see, love is not full of hypocrisy. When Jesus was teaching a greater lesson, I'm going to grab. A passage out of Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. For he you hate the one, love the other, else he will hold to the one, despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Love can't be divided. Can't say, I, I want carnal things and spiritual things. Love is not hypocritical. Let love be without dissimulation. That's what it means, hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Love cannot have hypocrisy. Ephesus backwards would have Christians and congregations say they're loving the Lord but not standing against sin. That would be Ephesus backwards. Somebody or a group of people that would say, look at, it. Look at Ephesus. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Well, we don't want to do that. We don't want to err like they did. No, 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 no. You do want to hate the deeds of evil. You want to hate evil. You remember, abhor that which is evil, All right? But you want to do it because you love the Lord. You don't want to just hate something just for the sake of it has to be moved by the right love. If you flip Ephesus on its head and you take a look at this congregation, that tried men that said they were apostles and were not. And you say, we're not, we're not going to do that. If you take this and flip it on their head you know, with the deeds of the Nicolaitans, oh, we're not going to hate them, we don't want to be Ephesus. Then you would essentially become in that area, like Revelation 2, 18 and following, where the angel of the, uh, of the church, under the angel of the church in Thyatara. Write, these things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, feet are like fire. I know thy works and charity and service and faith, thy patience and thy works, and has been more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my spirits, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, she repented not. Well, what 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 did they do? They put up with that. They that's not right. Well, if you're going to flip Ephesus on his head, this this is what you become. You become the person or the congregation like Thyatira that just tolerates sin among brethren. Can't do that. Can't flip Ephesus on its head. The congregation in Corinth and and was taught. you know you can't say, well, we want to be loving. You know, we, we want to forbear. People might take the Ephesians four one through three and uh, that we talked about earlier, forbearing one another in love, and might look at somebody, whether it's physical or spiritual fornication among the congregation, and might look at them and say, "Well, we love them. You know, we don't want to tell them that they got to got to leave if they're not going to change. We we we, we love them. We want to give them x amount of period of time. So so this and this and you know, which basically is the excuse that turns into an indefinite period of compromise when 1 Corinthians 5, 1-8, through the inspired apostle Paul said it is reported commonly, I'm just beginning in verse 1, that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourn, that he that hath done this deed may be taken away from among you. For verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have I judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us, therefore, let us not... Let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with unleaven, uh, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Cast him out. Get rid of him. Why? Because if you don't, this is going to spread. Yep, that happened in Thyatira. Right, if, you, if you go back and you were to continue uh, to, to read about what was going on to the Thyatira, The Lord said he was going to cast her into a bed and them that committed adultery with her in a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the church shall know. I am he which searches the reins and the hearts, giving every one of you according to your works. What happened there as you read down through verse 23, this, this woman had people that fell in line with her sins. She basically had children. You know, she produced followers. In that congregation. How sad. Why did it happen? Because nobody stood up and did anything about it. They just let it occur. They didn't act. You can't say Ephesus was too militant that they were unloving. We don't want to do that. Put up with sin. Because then you become Corinth or Thyatira. You don't want to do it with false doctrine either. The church in Pergamos in Revelation chapter 2 beginning at verse 12, says, Unto the angel of the church in Pergamus write these things, saith he with has a sharp sword with two edges. I know thou works, and thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Now holdest fast my name, hast not denied my faith, even those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice the idols, commit fornication, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing I hate. You know what the Lord didn't say? The next verse does not say, but I'm glad that you're not like Ephesus. No. The next verse says, repent or else I will come to thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath in here, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. Repent. Why? Because they were in sin. What happens if you don't repent? You perish, Luke 13, 1 through 5. We cannot become Thyatira or Pergamos because we want to avoid being Ephesus. We have to do what Ephesus did right, but do it with the motivator being love, with our relationship with our Lord being love love. We cannot allow ourselves, if you're going to be faithful to the Lord, especially if you're part of a congregation that proclaims to be faithful to the Lord, to have doubts cast upon you like Corinth did. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the first four verses, it's written to them, would to God you could bear with me, Paul writing, a little in my folly, in this context, he's speaking as a fool, so to speak. He's just trying to illustrate something to him. He says, And indeed, bear with me, for I am jealous of you with a godly jealousy, for I am espousing to you one husband, that I may present you as chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent begot Eve through his subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicities in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus... Whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Here was Paul's concern in the second letter. After they were already told not to put up with sin among them, he still has this concern. If somebody came and preached another Jesus, you might just well put up with him. Well, how do you get to that point? You flip Ephesus backwards. You become too welcoming. You become overly accepting. You don't want to be that. Don't want to be the opposite of Ephesus. Don't want to get to a point where all of a sudden you are afraid to expose those who are false. After the qualifications of elders are given to Titus from Paul in Titus 1, 5-9, Titus 1, 10 through 14 says this, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore, Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Look, you don't want to say, we're going to love, love, love and allow people whose mouths must be stopped to have influence. Rebuke them sharply. That's not saying you're unloving. That's obeying the Lord as an act of love. Remember, our Lord said in Revelation 3:19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent, said that to the church in Laodicea. Folks, open rebuke is better than secret love. Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. You have to, because of your love for God and your love for faithful Christians and your love for souls, you have to have a militant. Mentality like Ephesus did. But listen, it has to be moved by love. I want you to think about some things, some some scriptures I want to run through with you. Psalm 97 and verse 10 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Did you hear that? Ye that love the Lord hate evil. The rest of the verse says, He preserveth the souls of his saints, he delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. The emphasis of our lesson is on the first part of this verse. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. If I love the Lord, I am going to hate evil. I'm not going to be able to sit next to it in the assembly. I'm not going to be able to invite it into my house. I'm not going to be able to be peaceably and neighborly with evil. I'm going to hate it. Yes, we are taught to live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, uh, 17 through 21. And that's in the context of not rendering evil for evil. That's a context of doing good to those that would be evil. Yes, I'm to love my enemy, Matthew 5, 41 and following. Perfecting that like our Father which is in heaven. But my position ought to be militant. Proverbs 28, 4 gives us this. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. I'm not just going to sit back idly, and say nothing while people allow souls to be lost and contribute to that. How can you? Look at Jesus. He goes into the temple in John 2. John 2, 13-17 The Jews Passover is at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temples those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. This is this is how I feel every time I see these preachers on YouTube and Facebook and podcast and different things and they're saying you know contribute to me on patreon or buy my book or hey or buy these books or do this do that this oh i get this i get this so much so jesus sees these money hungry people in the temple so when he had made a scourge of small cords so he makes a whip so what do you think the text says next Jesus sat there and thought, I'm getting angry. Oh no, let me go in and let them, let me help them make money because love, love, love. No, says he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. And he said to them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. I want to hold on verse 17 for a minute. I want you to think about modern day uh, churches where they have guest preachers come in or different things. Tables are set up in the back of wherever they're assembling. Things are being sold. What do you think would happen if some guy walked into an assembly of whatever church it is and this, this is going on and he, he created some sort of a weapon and chased out all those people that were in there? and then took those tables and all these things on them and the money that's being collected and just tossed it through it. You know what would happen? The police would be called, right? Or it depends. If you're in Texas, you might get shot. I live in Texas, El Paso. So, what do you think? That's what Jesus did. That was his reaction. Are you more loving than him? That's his reaction. He is our definition of love, our example to follow. We're to walk as he walked, 1 John 2, 3 through 6. You know, his disciples uh, remembered after they observed this, verse 17 says, his disciples remembered it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. You know what love is? Be eaten up when you see people being treated by false teachers and others like merchandise. eats me up. No, in our modern day, false teachers are called friends. Hey, friend. Friend of who? Friend of the devil. The people that are calling them friends are children of the devil. What about the militancy? Why don't we get lit up? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verses 11 and 12, an evangelist is told, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto there are called and has professed a a good profession before many witnesses. What does it mean to fight? Hey, friend, how are you today? No, oh, no, 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 no. There's a militancy. The book of Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful me to write unto you, exhort you, that you should earnestly contend for the faith, or zealously contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unaware who before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? hmm that's love. Later in this chapter, verse twenty-one says, "Keep yourselves in love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life." Militancy is moved by love. Now there are people that can fake that, that act like they're angry, kind of like politics today. You have this Democrat on TV and then this Republican on TV, and they're arguing back and forth, blah 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 blah. You're destroying America. You're doing this. You're doing that. Blah 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 blah. blah. Then they go out to dinner afterwards. Hey, listen, I'm not going to be found at a dinner with a false brother in Christ. Not only is it sinful, but unless he's being served, I don't want to be around him. There's no cordial time there. It's disgusting. Disgusting. Somebody causing souls to be lost. That's love. Love for who? Love for God. Love for faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Love for your neighbor. Those that are lost, that this person is contributing to the destruction of. You know, if we're going to be like Jesus, I want you to think about Jesus. John 3, 19 through 21 says, This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. They don't want to come to Jesus. They don't want anybody around Him. Why? Because being the light, being the light of the world, carries with it the expectation and the role of exposing darkness. Ephesians 5, 6-11, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the spirit is all goodness and and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable in the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Folks, that's it right there. If you're light, you hate darkness. You love the Lord. You love righteousness. Yeah, hate darkness, and it should be visible. That is love. The Ephesians had the right actions, but it wasn't motivated by love. So we don't want to be militant just because the Bible says to be militant. We want to be militant because of love. Now listen, the church in Ephesus, they endured. They labored. They did not faint. We do not... Not just in militancy. Not just in dealing with sin among the brethren. But we do not want to look at the other things that they did right and say, well, we don't want to be like Ephesus. We don't want to flip Ephesus on its head. We cannot use love as a reason to quit, to cease the good works that God expects of you. We don't want to use love as an excuse to be tired and not keep on keeping on. Galatians 6 and verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. We don't want to quit working and use love as our excuse. If you love the Lord, you're going to keep working. You're going to keep doing what He tells you to do. Here's the thing. When you lose the fire, and people have a hard time balancing being on fire and loving at the same time, a lot of times because they just don't understand love. They think love is the mushy-gushy emotion that the world commonly displays as love. Like, you know, now the LGBTQ plus baloney that you see all around our world is often coupled with the word love. It's not. LGBTQ plus is lust, sin, fornication. It's not love. Those people do not love each other. They don't love others. They lust and destroy. They are the Sodom and Gomorrah of Genesis 18 and 19. They are not good. There's nothing good that's come from a corrupt tree, does not bring forth good fruit. Okay? Matthew 7, 16 through 20. Okay? You know them by their fruits. Love doesn't get you to stop doing the right things. Love moves you to do the right things. Love has me look at the LGBTQ plus community and want to bring people out of that. When I see gay pride, there's one scripture, and this certainly isn't the way uh, that this scripture is intended. It's talking about pride uh, in general, but pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, Proverbs 16, 18. That's not talking about homosexuality uh, contextually, but the application, the end result's the same. Those are people going to be destroyed. If you love them, you will speak against it. You will not say, hey, I wanna be loving towards these people and accepting. Accepting is fast-tracking them to hell. We live in a society that because of the LGBTQ+, plus whatever other initials, A-B-C-D-E-F-G-H-I-J-K-L-M-O-P, H-E-L-L, okay? That's what really LGBTQ+, should then be H-E-L-L, because that's where they're headed. It has the world so confused that people now don't even know the difference between male and female. You don't just sit back and say, I want to be loving. I don't want to be Ephesus. No. You want to keep doing the work, the work of love, which is what? Reprove, expose darkness. And the local church, sometimes people look at the work of Ephesus they say they were busy, they were busy, they didn't spend enough time loving. Let's just take it easy. Let's chill. Oh. The point of what's written to the church in Ephesus isn't to get us to chill. Remember back, Amos 6, Jerusalem's warned. says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Look out for complacency. You don't want to flip Ephesus on its head and become complacent. Here, I think I made mention of this recently, uh, but one of our brethren, uh, two or three weeks ago, Scott preached here. And part of his lesson was this very point. The congregation here in El Paso is at peace right now. We don't have uh, any problems that we're addressing or dealing with. And what people tend to do sometimes get a little bit too laxed. Just chill. Even when things are good, you gotta keep working. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You want, if you want to inherit the promises, you got to keep on keeping on. Diligently. We cannot live off the works that we did in the past. Can't say, look at what we used to do. Don't worry. Ephesus was too busy that, and they were wrong. We, we, no, 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 no. Ephesus was right being busy. Other scriptures teach us to stay busy in the work of our Lord always abounding, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says. Titus 3, 8 says, this is a faithful saying, and these things will out, will the thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable unto men. If you drop down to verse 14 of Titus 3, let us, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Keep on working. Don't flip Ephesus on his head. Remember, God is not looking for us to to be the the minimalist. Like, hey, well, Ephesus, they they were busy. They they fought against false doctrine, but they didn't love the Lord. So let's balance that. Let's do less work and more love. No. Let's keep looking for ways to do more work and more love. And a principle uh, Jesus taught, Matthew 5, 41 says, Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Our Lord's mindset. Go the extra mile. When Paul wrote to Philemon and was going to come and visit Philemon, he said in Philemon verse 21, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote to thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. The point of going more and more, abounding more and more, growing more and more, not just taking it and chilling, not just sitting back and relaxing. When Christ returns, we don't want to be in that spiritual lazy boy. No, we do not. First Thessalonians chapter five verses one through three. Paul Timothy Silvanus says, "But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need. I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord, so cometh as thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape." We don't want to be those people are just taking it easy do what Ephesus did right, be busy, stand against sin, expose that which is false, labor, don't faint, don't get tired, but do it with the motivation of love. And don't let that word love, because it's so abused today, be a bad word in your mind or your vocabulary. The idea of being loving in our generation is married to being a compromiser and being indifferent. Love the LGBTQ community means say nothing and do nothing. No, no, no. Biblically, it means expose it and try to pull people from it. Be militant against it. Don't be afraid to call it sin because that's what it is. It is fornication. If brethren are in error, false doctrine, false actions, amidst, in the midst of a congregation... It is not loving to ignore that. Point it out. Show them the road to repentance. Help them be converted back to Christ, James 5, 19 and 20. That's love. Let our, our pattern of love be as it's revealed in the scriptures because we're to hold first, hold fast, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1:13 says, hold fast the form of sound words which I was heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. The pattern of love Don't let the world, because we're not to be conformers to the world, Romans 12, 2. Don't let the world teach you what love is. Let the scriptures teach you what love is. Don't be Ephesus in the way that they erred, but don't throw out the good that they did. Learn from the good that they did. You know, this is a congregation that was told to put on the whole armor of God, right? Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. They obviously did that part. They just left off the love. I like to use marriage in an illustration when I talk about Ephesus because it fits. They were in a a marriage relationship with our Lord and they did all the works, but they didn't do it with love. Don't be like the husband that goes and works hard and puts the proverbial food on the table, brings home the bacon, But doesn't love his wife and his children. Don't do the works and leave off the love. Do both. Do both. Get it all. Get it. Be the whole. One of the things that I've recognized and I I talk about very often is people have a hard time with balance. They see one instruction, love, and then they can't imagine how love and militancy can coexist. They did in Christ. He loved the world enough to give himself as a sacrifice. He offered himself as a sacrifice, Ephesians 5 and verse 2. And he hated evil and sin so much that every time we see accounts like John 2, 13 through 17 that we read earlier, we see his zeal, love and Hate. Can't have one without the other. Otherwise, you'd be imbalanced. Ephesus. They had the hate, just not the love. Don't throw out the good with the bad. You'd be imbalanced. You'll fall. if You're not falling already. So, Ephesus backwards. Again, Still don't know the better title to run with. Hopefully it was interesting enough to get you to listen. Hopefully the points in this lesson will get you to listen. If need be, make corrections. Handle things aright. Maybe you've listened to this lesson you got some questions. Any lesson that's 50 to 52 minutes long or even an hour, hour and a half, we're not going to cover everything. There's a whole book. Scriptures. Many applications to be made. We're never going to cover anything in one lesson. Maybe you got questions? Call me up. My phone number is 915-525-5794. You can email me, Brian B-R-I-A-N at wordsoftruth.net. You can visit the website, wordsoftruth.net, and you can certainly get help. Got a lot of material there, written, a lot of audio sermons, not just podcasts, but audio sermons from the past. A lot of material. But studies through the whole Old Testament, a lot of New Testament studies to topical. You can find a lot of material there. But hey, listen, you can just give me a call. We can set up a time to uh, communicate electronically. If you're anywhere near me, we can meet in person. I'd love the opportunity to help you. I hope you'll take advantage of my offer. Reach out to me. Thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, We will come back on Tuesday with another podcast. And uh, on Tuesday, I am planning on doing a podcast about uh, directories of sound congregations. I really hope you'll you'll come back and and listen to this podcast. I think you'll find it to be uh, interesting, thought-provoking in a lot of different ways. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.